Oh shit. Here we go again. What's up, ballers? Welcome back. April 16th today. Sorry for the lapse in the week on the podcast episode. We've had some life things going on and, and work and just uh, with everything going on with the PGA Tour and and no golf and no events, uh, we thought it'd be just a good time to take a break and <clears throat> recap and, and put our thoughts together and come back with the, with the new episode this week. So we appreciate everybody joining back in. This is actually the one year anniversary of when we got together to start our podcast uh, a year ago. Uh, this time we, we were at Blue Jack National. We also uh, were all together to watch the final round of the Masters, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but with that, all three of us are back in the booth this week. We've got uh, both of my two favorite co-hosts that are, that are with me here. Uh, first is the guy who's up in the Northeast going crazy because I know none of the golf courses are open. Jake, what's up, dude? What's up, guys? I'm, I am going crazy. But I think I'm driving to Connecticut on Tuesday to play. So nice three and a half hour trip to go play some golf. Hey, lovely game, man. Lovely game. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have a guy who's shopping for a new five wood. If any one of our <laughs> listeners is uh, out there trying to donate, uh, Vince Scalici is here. Now what's going on? Nope, I think we're all right. <laughs> Just try not to stomp your, you know, your five wood. It happens. So it can we talk about the stomp? Where Where did you stomp it? I want to know. Uh, no. Oh, okay. Easy enough. <laughs> now, I, on a... <clears throat> God, where were we? Number 13? 13. Part, uh, 13 on the lakes, lakes. yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Not much to say. That's all we got. Three wood is in three pieces in my bag currently. That's all I got. And the bad thing about it is you can't even get it fixed right now because there's just nothing open. Nothing open. Yeah, it's thanks. The hybrid went back in. It's fine. Which bridge did you put back in? I can't remember. The F8 Cobra. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, at least you got matching three wood, five wood, or a hybrid now. Yeah, it was in the bag for years. I just uh, I wanted to change. Obviously, uh, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> Short-lived relationship with that five yeah. wood. Oh, a quick jaunt. Okay. Well, uh, moving on from that exciting five wood news. The PGA Tour has put out some exciting news. So we talked last, or well, two weeks ago, about uh, the PGA Tour's revived schedule. They were going to be starting with the Charles Schwab Challenge, which is at Colonial in Fort Worth. Uh, they were thinking about doing the second to last week in May. <clears throat> However, they will still be starting with that event, but they've moved back now to a June 8th through the 14th start date. And they've announced that the first four events uh, will be without fans. So... Starting on June 8th through the 14th, we'll have the Colonial, uh, and then they're going to work through, and I'll talk through some of these events here, and then ending with the Tour Championship, uh, which is August 31st through September 7th. So uh, they're going to be there's going to be 10 more events before we get into the FedEx Cup playoffs, which is uh, starting August 17th through the 23rd at the Northern Trust in, in TPC Boston. Uh, they will have played seven or eight events prior to that in the fall uh, and in January. So Obviously, you know, usually there's about 30 events before the FedEx Cup. This year, there's only going to be, you know, 16 or 17. Um, so less time for the players to make up the points they would normally need to make. But I think also uh, makes for an interesting dynamic in uh, in your scheduling, right? Because normally 
a lot of these guys like Tiger and uh, others would only play, you know, the WGCs, the majors, and, you know, there are four or five other favorite events. Now they may be forced into playing uh, some other events. I saw um, Kevin Kisner actually tweeted that the John Deere Classic will have the best field it's ever had in its life because it's typically the week before the Open. And so most of the, the top 50 guys are already over overseas preparing for the British uh, when this year it's it's not, it falls between the Rocket Mortgage and the Memorial, which has moved from the first week of June to uh, July 13th through the 19th. So a couple of events that, you know, typically would be in the in the spring have been moved into the summer and even some that, you know, were, were previously in the spring, now in the fall. Um, but the first major we will have is the PGA Championship, which falls on August 3rd to the 9th at TPC Harding Park, which is in San Francisco. Uh, the week before that is actually the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. So one of the things I want to talk about before I get your thoughts here is <clears throat> the schedule has been revised, but there is a lot of uh, traveling uh, situations that I, I'd like to talk about. So even week one, um, you know, they're starting at the at the Colonial and then they're going to the RBC Heritage, which is at Harbortown or at uh, Hilton Head, excuse me. Uh, yeah, at Harbortown in South Carolina. So they're moving from, you know, central to the East Coast. And then they're going from there s- straight up to Connecticut, which is fine. And then there's a couple of weeks where they move back into <clears throat> the central United States. And then it kind of gets a little... It goes from Minnesota to Memphis, and then from Memphis to California, and then from California to North Carolina, and North Carolina up to Massachusetts, and then from Massachusetts down to Atlanta. So there's a there is a couple of times where they're going East Coast, West Coast. There it is for majors, and I know it's the first time that the PGA Championship has been on the West Coast in in quite a while. Um, so before we talk about anything after the Tour Championship, Jake, what were your thoughts on the? On the new new schedule, do you like that they're going to be starting with no fans for the first four events? What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of the way that things had to go. Um, we talked about it a little bit two weeks ago that um, we were hearing rumors of like mid to late May and they, they wanted to bring fans back. And uh, it just didn't seem like that was going to be possible. And I, I, I don't know. I think that what they've done is actually it's probably the best scenario that you're going to get. Um and coming back with no fans, I think, is the right move for sure. I just, I think it's just going to be like a, a really interesting thing. I know that um, I've been in contact with a couple of um, superintendents and people at golf courses for my, the high school golf team that I coach. And a lot of them were saying kind of a similar thing about when they thought they would be back to like fully opened. What they mm-hmm. were hearing was like, you know, early June would be like they'd be back to being able to have um, normal numbers at the club on a daily basis. So right. it doesn't surprise me that that's sort of the time frame that they're aiming for as well. Um, and yeah, I think you make a good point about the travel, but at the same time, there's kind of like no way around it, but there's right. some, some things have to be sacrificed. Um, and uh, some, some fields are going to be so, like, like Kevin Kisner was saying, some events are going to have amazing fields that never did and other events are going to suffer, but it's, it's just sort of part of the deal. I'm glad to see that they kept the PGA um, in San Fran though. I think that right. that was a big key thing. Yeah, I did hear a interview um, actually with the the head of the PGA uh, that was last week, and he was saying, you know, they looked at you know two or three different options. Obviously, if you know, San Francisco could still tell them that uh, you know they're just not prepared to have the championship in August, so they've looked at a couple of venues if they have to do it. They've also looked at 
still having the PGA with no fans or, you know, limited amount of fans there. And then also obviously having it with the full, full bore, um, you know, with everybody that's going to be there, the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of fans. So, uh, they're prepared. I know it's extremely, uh, interesting time for everybody. I, I would like to note that because the open championship canceled and the Olympics was pushed, I was able to save the Memorial actually, because Memorial moved into the slot where the open championship was going to be in July and then the FedEx St. Jude, uh, which we've talked about, I think it's just a kind of a blah event at a blah yeah, course. Uh, sure. It's moved into where the slot was going to be for the Olympics. So that was able to help two tournaments save themselves and then also help you know Colonial keep as the first event because they would have been pushed out. But instead, they were rescheduled to June 11th through the 14th, which will be very hot here in Texas, I will all note. Um, but excited to see you know these events so they're they're working through and i'll work through the schedule real quick it's the charles schwab then it's the rbc at harvard town and the travelers up in connecticut then the rocket mortgage which is where is that where wolf won last year or one of the three new guys won right up there didn't they last year Can't remember. uh yeah that wait is that rocket mortgage or yeah rocket mortgage that's the one in in detroit yeah he won no, the 3m he, he won the 3m yeah okay okay then John Deere Classic, which, uh, as Kisner said, will probably have its best field this year as people prepare to play in the Memorial the next following week. Then the 3M, then the FedEx St. Jude, which is also the same week as the Barracuda Championship for the guys that don't qualify for the WGC. Uh, then the first major of the year, August 6th to the 9th, the PGA. Then we have the Wyndham Championship, the Northern Trust, BMW Championship, and then the Tour Championship. So, um, you know, interesting there that you're, we're only going to have one major actually fall in this year before the tour championship. Um, and then after the tour championship, which is sev- September 4th through the 7th, we roll into the 2021 fall schedule, which starts the following week, which is typically, um, you know, a couple weeks off before, uh, which is the Safeway Open, which is out back on the West Coast. And then the U.S. Open which will be at Wingfoot is September 17th to the 20th. Uh, the Ryder cup is the following week, which is going to be awesome. You got that a major than a rider. Uh, Sanderson farms, then the Shriners, uh, then the CJ cup. So they're going back out to the Asia swing, the Zozo championship. And then you have the WGC HSBC championship. And then the Houston open, which follows or which is followed by the Masters, which is the slot that the Houston Open has actually been in, which is previously known as a shell for like nine out of the last 10 years, other than last year when they, they moved out, which I think is going to be interesting because it's going to be the first year. This is at the new course here in Memorial after the redesign. Um, I know a lot of the pros are good buddies with Crane, who is the, uh, he owns the parent company that's the sponsor for the Houston Open. Uh, people are going to be preparing for the Masters. So I think it'll be a very exciting field. Yeah, uh, as the opening cool. event, as they prepare for the Masters, uh, which will be November 12th to the 15th. Um, you know, the first time it's been in the fall, maybe ever or since World War II. Um, and then it's it's uh, finished with the RSM Classic and then the Mayakoba Golf Classic, which is also the same week as the Hero World Challenge. So, uh, Vinny, what do you think about the Houston Open being before the Masters and, and anything that jumps out of you in the in the fall schedule? Obviously, I think I made mention of this uh, two weeks ago. It's really just going to draw a unique group of players who either didn't have the opportunity to play that much and need to play or uh, are finally just getting back 
into the swing of events. You know, maybe they weren't playing heavy in the early end of this new schedule. Um, or people who are trying to fulfill contractual obligations, you you might see players out there for that. Because, uh, you know, under like certain sponsorships and stuff, players have to play a certain amount of events a year. There's nothing, nothing's been said about sponsors or, you know, con- contracts being altered for obligations of play either. So mm-hmm. I think we may see a pretty robust crowd even before the Masters just for people, you know, who are trying to fulfill their, their duties contractually too. Uh, I just hope the course is ready. I, I think it's going to be a great event no matter what since it's, you know, leading up to the Masters. I think you're just going to have a, a lot of excitement around golf. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Jake, you have any thoughts about that? Oh, yeah. I think you guys got incredibly, incredibly lucky because in a good way. First of all, I think that Houston as a golf community deserves a great tournament and losing the shell and then being pushed to the fall um, probably wasn't going to ever be the greatest thing for them. I mean, it wasn't going to kill the tournament, but it wasn't going to be what it once was. And um, yeah, I think going before the Masters this year on a course that um, is new and I guarantee you they can tune up to sort of mimic what the Masters is going to look like this year since they're mm-hmm. going to be not going to be playing on overseeded rye. Um, they're going to be playing on Bermuda. I think you're going to get a killer field at a course that can get really firm at that time of year and they can um, really kind of dress it up to be an interesting prep um, for the Masters. So I think you're going to, it's going to be really, really awesome for you guys. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I also uh, wanted to note that the the military tribute to the Greenbrier has been removed uh, as a PGA event going forward. Um, it was it was it had moved to the fall, and now it's it's been taken off the list. So interesting there. They've been at you know at the Greenbrier for for quite a bit of time. So, um, but speaking of the Masters, so this past Sunday, um, CBS re-aired the final round of the 2019 uh, Masters tournament. Uh, we got to see, you know, all the all the foliage, beautiful course, unbelievable uh, setting, and of course the the re- reliving of the goat winning his fifteenth major. Um, before I get to your thoughts, I I thought that it was it was awesome. Uh, I mean, I I think I texted you guys. I was I was nervous watching it again. I was like, man, is he going to win this again? I didn't even realize that he was down by three strokes. Uh, on the front nine before he made, uh, you know, birdie on eight and seven. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, I knew he had made birdie on three, but, and I knew he made bogey on four, but I didn't realize he had made a bogey on five. And, and uh, Jake, I think he texted out us on, on the group that Molinari basically made everything from inside 20 feet on the front nine for par saves. He made some crazy par saves. One, one was on five, which is a really tough hole. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't realize that Tiger was three back. And then, you know, he made that epic charge on the back nine. I did like that they incorporated him and Nance uh, off to the side, kind of, you know, via Skype or Zoom, talking about his thoughts and where, where, where his thought process was in different situations as the tournament was moving on. Then his reaction after he won the tournament. Uh, Jake, I'd love to, you know, did you get a chance to watch it? And what did you think about, you know, rewatching it? Because last year I actually was in, uh, New Orleans for a bachelor party uh, for a very good buddy of mine from college and told him, Hey, I'm, I'm flying back on Sunday morning. Cause I got to watch the final round of the masters. And it just ended up that tiger was in contention. So we watched it at our house together. What'd you think? Yeah, no, it was, um, 
I mean, I've been rewatching like a ton of old golf. I rewatched <laughs> a bunch. I really have. I've watched a ton of Masters all the way back into the '90s. I've watched some U.S. Opens, but I thought that rewatching it, um, even though I didn't think Tiger gave a lot until kind of the end of the broadcast with Nance, the little chat with Nance thing, um, it brought me back because I mean, we were all together uh, watching that at, at your place uh, in Houston, and it was weird because it was you know it was morning. Uh, morning golf after they moved the tee times up and put everybody into threesomes and so it was bringing me back to that memory but then i was noticing things about the round that i don't think i fully remembered like i forgot how good tiger's two putt was on nine like it was like an unbelievable two putt that really if you look at it sort of sparked something um yeah, and we talked about Molinari um, kind of making everything. And I think I also forgot how truly close um, Brooks was. Like, if Brooks makes Eagle on 15, like, it looks incredibly different coming in, I think, mm-hmm. because be- because of where he what his status is in the game uh, at that moment, right? I mean, he's um, contended uh, or won in pretty much every major since, you know, whatever, 20... 16 uh, us yeah. open or whatever it is so you know looking at it i i didn't realize how close he was i kind of had forgotten that especially as just a you know a group later you have molinari you know dunking in the water and finau ejecting and then the whole chunk it into a tree situation on 15 for molinari and and you kind of remember how that all unfolds but you just I think you forget that there were other characters like Cantlay was on the leaderboard for like a hot minute yep. uh, at the top. So it's just like, I kind of forgot some of yeah, Poulter. Like I forgot a lot of the ancillary stuff that was going on because I was so focused on tiger. Um, and I think one more thing, I will say that two particular shots for tiger that stuck out to me that, that didn't stick out to me before his second on 15, where he's on the right side of the fairway and yep. he hits, he just, he hits such a, it's such a safe shot, but it was like, it was a moment where I don't think I realized how in control he was like beautiful draw right off the, like the middle tree of those three in the background at Augusta, um, and leaves himself a makeable putt and then hits a great shot at 16 gets the lead. And if you remember the last time the tiger won the masters prior to 2019, he had to go to a playoff with Chris DeMarco mm-hmm. because he hit a horrible tee shot on 17. Right. And, and he's not really been great on 17. It's like the first hole and the 17th hole for him are a lot of trouble. And he just absolutely molly whops one on 17. Um, and I completely forgot how clutch that was. Cause I think we were all freaking out like, Holy shit, he's going to do this. But like that tee shot for him is a lot of anxiety and for him to hit that and, and just basically, walk it in is you know it's like one of the great parts of that story i'll tell you where i had the most anxiety was on 18 where he hit that he hit his second shot and it came up 40 yards short i was just like oh "Oh, my god yeah what is happening right now um but Vinny, i know you were you were over at the uh the girlfriend's house for easter did you get a chance to check it out for a little bit i did i watched it amidst all the all the crazy cooking and and you know, doing some housework all at the same time, hard work and all the above. Man. But yeah, no, I did. I did get to watch it. I just, I, I watched probably from the eighth hole on, and uh, yeah, really, the biggest thing is you notice how how critical Molinari's mistakes were. Um, obviously, 
just on the scoreboard they proved critical, but you you know I nobody really thinks he needed to hit that shot like under the tree, you know, hit mm-hmm. takes the pine cone, dunks in the water, right? Yeah. Um, he could have played that out to way to the right and chipped and putt. I mean, probably seventy five percent of the time, I would think. Um, but yep. you don't give Tiger like I said. There's people who pray on the week, and I think Tiger's career that that that's one of his that should be one of his key things. He just thrives in a moment that 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 supports him and asks him to be better than everyone else, right? For sure. And it that that's just that, that's what you need to see in golf it's just it's a great moment to replay it's like for anybody out there who's struggling like mentally or anything like that you need to watch it right it's one of those things yeah i think you, real quick too because uh you made a good point about like the molinari thing and after all of my rewatching of um of these masters final rounds one thing that i do notice is that that golf course they play it every single year and there are players that play it every single year that fully like understand it. Like I think Tiger completely understands what he can and can't do for every single shot on that golf course. And there are times where he's like willing to take a risk. Like if I don't pull this off, it might not be the best result. But like I can't tell you how many times on on 15 guys hit it left behind that bank of trees and then just purposely hit it like on the far right side of the green and do their best to make a two putt or hit it in that right bunker and try to get up and down. Uh, and the same thing goes for, um, what, you know, on 12, right? Like both Molinari and Finau dunk it because they're trying to hit a cut off the right side of the bunker to that right pin. When, if you look at a lot of people who've won, they've simply just said, I'm going right over the bunker. I'm hitting whatever the stock shot is. And then I'm going to try to two putt, get down into get my par and get the hell out of there. Go to 13, which is a lot shorter par five where I have a chance to make an Eagle or almost a guaranteed birdie in a lot of cases. And so I think that like, that is one of the most interesting things about rewatching. And it's probably why we love Augusta so much is because as a viewer, if you watch it enough, you start to understand some of, I'm not saying every little thing, but some of the things that the golfers understand. And it's because you see it so many times. Whereas if you're like looking at, other tournaments, other majors, other golf courses, it's a little bit harder because you don't watch those same courses every single year in a lot of cases. So rewatching it, I was like, holy shit, like this is so interesting to like realize that I know some of the strategy of this golf course just as well as maybe, you know, someone who's playing it for the second or third time. Like I understand where the ball should be going in these spots. Um, so you almost know that trouble's coming before it even gets there, which is really cool. Yeah, I, you know, I think I said to you guys <clears throat> via text on Sunday that, you know, obviously everybody knows Molinari hit the ball in the water on 12, but in my opinion, he lost the tournament on 15. For he sure. hit it in the water. You know, he, yeah, he, he dropped a shot behind Tiger on 12, but he got it back quickly on 13 and, and 15 is a birdie hole. 16 is a birdie hole too. Um, and yeah, when he made that mistake on 15, that's when he really lost the tournament. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, incredible to rewatch. I've rewatched it a couple of times over the past year or so. Um, not the full round, but just like highlights of all of Tiger's shots with Finau and Molinari and, uh, definitely never gets old. It's incredible that that's his, his 15th major. And it's the first one where he came from behind. 
and just shows you how much of a, an incredible, well, the best front runner ever in the game he was uh, back when you know he was in his prime, uh, winning all those tournaments in the in his four, first fourteen majors. So we'll see. Uh, what do you guys? I, you know, I know we didn't really talk about this too much, but just quickly, you know, one word. Do you, do you think that's his last major, or do you think he gets another one? Um, no, I think he gets one more. Okay, Benny. Vince? And he's on mute, maybe? No, I'm here. <laughs> no, nah, I was muted. Um, no, nah, he probably wins one more. And if he okay. does it anywhere, I think he probably does it again at Augusta. I agree. Okay, I love it. I think he's going to win two more, and I think it's just going to be one of those things forever debated that he he got to 17 but didn't get to didn't get to Jack's mark 18. But, uh, yeah, it's you know it's something we'll we'll debate for the rest of our lives. And, uh, you know, looking forward to the, the rest of this year's PGA Tour schedule. Uh, before we, we move in uh, to some closing thoughts, Jake, I know you, you also did some research on the Corn Ferry and when they're starting and, and some, you had some thoughts there. You want to quickly chime in on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go too in-depth. I just thought it was, uh, it's cool that the Corn Ferry is coming back the same week because I think those, those guys really need those playing opportunities just for their like, own livelihood in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. But... Um, they're doing a brand new event to bring players back where they're going to be playing um, the same week as Colonial. They're going to be playing at um, the Die Valley course at Sawgrass. So I think that's actually really cool, and it'll give the PGA Tour a chance to televise that because it's close to their headquarters, and they'll be able to get people out there to do that. So you get some live golf on a course you've never seen um, with Corn Ferry guys. So that should be fun. That is cool. Also, and this just popped into my head that also gives the guy, the the guys, the fan base in that area that was you know psyched to go to the Players Championship, uh, a tournament to go go and see at that same course. You know, obviously the. I don't think they're doing fans though. No, it's yeah, right, right. You're gonna be right. Oh well, well, uh, good thought. Uh, anyways, uh, before we we close this, guys, this is the one year anniversary on our podcast. So this time last year, we had just finished playing at Blue Jack. Uh, Jake, I know you you posted some some videos and some pictures mm-hmm. from last year. What do you guys remember from that tournament or from that uh, that day? Um, I guess Jake, we'll we'll start with you. Uh, I remember Vince rating the snack stand on on eight. Just rate it. The candy store, all the bar, just going deep on cookies, a mini spicy sausage or something. Get out of here, bro! You came out of there with three pounds of food. (laughs) No, he did have this. He goes, "Oh yeah," he's like, "Oh, can I I get that spicy sausage?" And I was like, "Yeah, I guess you can." Like, I think you can get anything in here. Um, No, I yeah, I I reposted some of our pictures and videos from it, and um, it tends to be the round that like I talk to my friends about the most, um, just because it was such a. A, a wild experience like it almost didn't matter how you played the golf course no. was just so much fun the design was so cool it was great being out there with you guys but it just felt like it just felt different and i've been to some like high-end you know private high-end public and um it felt like what what like not stuffy high-end public or high-end private is like it didn't feel like it was like you know, East Coast blue blood gajillion dollars. Like I know there was a gajillion dollars for like the members in there. Like I get that, but it didn't feel that way. It was so relaxed. It was so much fun. Um, the short course was a blast, and uh, yeah, I think about that round a lot. It was really really fun. Vinny, I agree. I think the best part of the day is 
the the environment that you're in for sure it's it's it is very relaxing it's like you get out there you don't feel like you, you kind of get to look around walk around it's almost like walking into the entrance to an event mm-hmm. um, and with without a lot of people there obviously um and yeah it's a beautiful course i really wish i get to play it again soon that'd be sick but i think the best part truly is yeah the, the environment that you're playing golf in the dog yeah um so I had this argument with somebody who I will not be name on the podcast yesterday when you or maybe two days ago, whenever you put up the, the videos, Jake, of us mm-hmm. swinging and I reposted my swing. And uh, what was your favorite hole out at Blue Jack? I got to I got to really take some some. Uh, so I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll talk when you yeah, guys you think ahead. so. You, you go ahead. So the person that commented on my uh, my photo thought it was the part three that you posted, the one where the turkey shack is, the beef jerky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was a great hole because it's it's modeled after twelve Augusta. But I, my favorite hole, I think, even though it might not have been like the best golf hole out there, was the one with the huge slope, the reachable par four. Yeah, that's, that's got, like my favorite one, I think. Yeah, some of it just because. I think Vince told you to hit wedge or whatever, and you scolded one over the green, or who I can't remember who did it, Vince or you. <laughs> no, but, Vince. Yeah, Vince did. did. Vince, like, I was like, should I putt this? And he's like, no, dude, you hit a wedge. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> scold. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. <clears throat> I oh, thought yeah, that was, was my down, favorite hole out there. Down this, yeah, halfway to back down the fairway. Yeah. Um, I think the closing holes is really nice for that hole is very cool yeah, too. Yeah, that green. I remember that green on that on 18. It's like deceiving how much there's like a ridge that runs sort of like what, like I'm gonna say like one o'clock to like seven o'clock. And when you're in the fairway, you have no idea how extreme it is. And then you get right. up there, you're like, well, shit, I can't even two putt this now. I have like no chance. Um, yeah, that was a good hole. I, I, I'm with you, Doug. I think that drivable par four was the most fun hole that you, you could play it any way you wanted, right? And if you like, if you hit driver and you didn't bang up the left, it was impossible. And if you hit iron and you put it, you know, too close to the slope, it was impossible. So, um, and I really did love the par three where I posted Vince hitting the shot off the bank. Um, I thought that yep. that was a, a very cool hole too, because that green was a lot more narrow when you got up on it than it was when you were on the tee. And it was like, man, if I would have known that this was this tight when I was standing up there, I would have been a lot more nervous. Um, yeah, that that was cool too, for sure. <laughs> I think the opening hole is also very, a very good hole. It Not is. a gentle opener, though. Nope. You got no, That's the hole really you got to play. Yeah, it's a good hole. Yep, that was that was a fun experience. You know, I'll never forget when they announced us on the first tee. Yeah. Uh, played the entire round, all the amenities. It was it was fantastic. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll we we'll get back out there. You know, eventually someday. Uh, weather is beautiful here in Houston. I am actually headed out to Wildcat after this. This is why this is a little bit of a short episode because I will be a starter on the Highlands Day for three or four hours before I play this afternoon. Jake, you are hopefully headed out to Connecticut to play mm-hmm. shortly um, this week. And I know you said that Philly may be opening back up or PA may be opening back up golf. Is that what that what you heard? Yeah, hearing some rumblings that um, PA might be opening up uh, at the beginning of May for like, they're going to limit the number of people like on the course. I don't know what that's going to look like for private clubs, but for public, uh, for public golf, that's seems to be what I'm hearing. 
Um, Jersey, it looks like they're probably going to hold off till June, at least. Again, that's just what I'm hearing right now. So for me, that just means suddenly I'm going to be paying for a lot of public golf in PA, but at least I'll be playing once or twice a week uh, until my my club opens back up. So Good, 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 good. Well, uh, we are still monitoring the situation for the uh, Gentleman's Cup. We actually have locked in backup dates in July, the 23rd to the 26th in case, but I'm, I'm fairly optimistic, I think, now that we'll be able yeah. to, yeah, we'll be able to go. We, you know, Vince and I had a little bit of, well, I guess all the Houston guys had a little bit of a hiccup this week. Our, our direct flights got canceled, but um, we're, so we're going to have to fly through Atlanta now, which really only adds about an hour to our total trip. It's not a really a big deal, um, but I know airlines are cutting down on that, but I think that might be really the only thing in case, you know, airlines get completely shut down, which I don't see happening. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll throw on our masks and uh, we'll all sit six feet apart from each other on the plane and we'll get out there. We're really looking forward to it. I know we, we, we've been talking about some of the courses uh, we're thinking about playing when we're out there the, the week before. Uh, so we'll start to uh, preview some of those and then hopefully, you know, we'll get some good videos out there. Uh, of the different courses and do some reviews, even a live review. I'm hoping when we're all there. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. And then next week we're gonna we're gonna actually tease uh, what our favorite 18 holes are uh, from the majors, uh, major courses that have been played over the last uh, you know 10 or 15 years. We're gonna piece together an 18 holes. Uh, I guess we'll probably do par 72, uh, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. Though I know there will be some debate, but we'll we'll do some research this week and come back next week. Uh, and talk about that. We appreciate uh, everybody that's been along with us for the entire ride of this first year on our our podcast. Uh, I don't think it's it's gone much better, I guess, than than we thought it would. And we appreciate sure. all the support. Um, please continue to follow us uh, on Instagram at the Breakfast Ball Pod, all one word. Uh, and and when you do uh, subscribe to our podcast, please uh, leave us a five star rating or whatever rating you think it is, and also leave some comments in there because it helps the algorithm to move us up in the rankings. Uh, again, thank you so much for everything. I'd also like to throw out a shout out to one of our uh, Gentleman's Cup uh, teammates, Jamie Mitchell. He had his first newborn baby girl last night, late. Uh, so congratulations to him. And we look forward to seeing him uh, at the Gentleman's Cup uh, at the end of May. Uh, with that, Vinny, why don't you go on and take us on out of here? All right, ballers. Once again, if you have the opportunity to play, get out there and just enjoy it. There's, there's a lot of golfers like Jake who are going stir crazy <laughs> and uh, yes. sooner or later might lose their shit. Nah. <laughs> like their five wood? <laughs> well, hopefully not a five wood. Like I said, no, eight. I don't have a five wood. We're good. <laughs> I don't either. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ballers. Thanks again. You know, don't forget. Don't be afraid to hit your breakfast ball. We'll be talking to you. Thank mm-hmm. you.